Hello, welcome to a brand new episode of the best podcast in the universe. You've stumbled across the Fun Kids Science Weekly. My name's Dan. This is the show where we search all through the galaxy trying to seek some of the science secrets that are lurking all around the place. We'll head up to the solar system, we'll come back down to Earth, and we'll get you done in about half an hour or so. Not bad for an intergalactic mission, right? This week, you can hear from a real-life explorer. Ella Al-Shamahi will be on, telling us about her brand-new TV show that looks at how the world is changing in some of the most remote places. Uh, we're going to see a lot of stuff happening in seven years, not not necessarily in a good way. So um, some of the stories we're following, like, for example, the pangolins um, in Cambodia, um, some es- uh, experts think the pangolins will become extinct in a decade. So, you know, while we're filming this show, we'll be seeing that, presumably. Also, we'll head up to Deep Space High to take a bird's eye view of the Earth's gravity. Gravity's been around since the start of the universe. It pulled the atoms together to make stars and planets and keeps them in their orbits. It keeps the atmosphere close to the surface and your feet on the ground. And I've got your questions to answer as always. This week, they're on sore throats and the sky. It's all coming up in a blistering new Fun Kids Science Weekly. Let's kick things off with this week's Science in the News. NASA's Perseverance rover on Mars has reached a big moment. It started to climb the Jezero Crater, which is the main mission up there. That's why it's up there. It'll dig for rocks and send them back in the next 10 years to look for signs of life. Also, stargazers across the UK were treated to an unusual and spectacular sight the other day, a super blood moon. Last week, Earth's orbit meant for for a few minutes the Earth was directly between the moon and the sun. That meant the moon fell into the Earth's shadow and the light that it reflected back was dark red. And this was at the time of a supermoon when it's closer than ever in its journey every month. All this meant some people saw a huge red moon in the night sky, a super blood moon. And for the first time ever, a massive black hole in the centre of our Milky Way galaxy has been pictured. It's called Sagittarius A. It's four million times the mass of our sun. Uh, the picture shows something that looks a bit like a burning donut with burning light from superheated gas caused by the massive gravity and it's about 40 million miles wide time to catch up with professor hallux now he's one of our favorite geniuses on the show he's here every week at the moment with his trusty sidekick and pal nurse nanobot it's from their map of medicine series where they look at uh, why you get ill and then who makes you better again this week you probably need to sit up straight And listen in. Professor Hallux is finding out about posture, back pain, and what happens when you go to the physiotherapist. Professor Hallux's Map of Medicine. Oh no! He's on that blooming game again. Fiddling about, sat on his bum for hours at a time. It's not good for your back. Nearly done. Ooh, time for a stretch. Crikey, you're right, nurse. I'm as stiff as a board. Well, you'd better get moving because there's a call coming in. Let's open the video phone. Alex's happy health help desk. Hi there, my dad's got something called chronic back 
pain and he's going to see a physiotherapist. Mum says I'll stretch and bend my dad to make him better, but I'm worried that it'll hurt him. Well, your mum is right. Physiotherapists are brilliant at bending. But they are there to help, not to make things worse. I've got some great facts about them in my map of medicine. But first, give us the facts on backs. If you'd be so kind, nurse. <laughs> Clinical crunch. Whoops. It's not surprising that back pain is so common. Backs are complicated. Your knobbly spine has 24 small bones called vertebrae that support the weight of your upper body and form a protective shell for the spinal cord, which is the information superhighway of your body, carrying important messages to and from your brain. Then there are shock-absorbing discs between each vertebrae, not forgetting ligaments, tendons, nerves and muscles that allow you to move and bend, all of which means there's a lot to go wrong. back! Sometimes back pain is caused by an injury or sudden event, like a fall or a slipped disc. Other times, backs can gradually become and stay painful over time. This is chronic back pain and is very common. Our lifestyles these days are a lot more sedentary than they've been in the past. That means we don't move as much, often spending hours sitting down each day, whether at school, work or at home in front of the telly or computer. This is terrible for our backs because it means the muscles don't get used and weaknesses can develop. And that's one reason why we can get chronic back pain. Luckily, that's where physiotherapists can help. Let's find out more in my map of medicine. It's a mine of information about medical people and places. Opening the map of medicine. So physiotherapists. I said physio, not fizzy. It starts with a PH, silly. If you're finding it hard to move or move without it hurting, then physios are the ones to help. It's their job to get you up and running, or up at least. And how do they do it? Well, have you ever seen a clown making a balloon animal? Well, that's what they do with people. Sorry, only kidding, honestly. They don't bend you into the shape of a dog, although they might use their hands to massage and manipulate your body in a series of gentle stretches and exercises. They'll give you some great tips about how to improve your posture too. That's the way you stand and sit. You'll probably also be given exercises to do at home. Improving your posture along with the stretches and movements help your muscles get stronger and your body to recover. If you've had a serious injury that's affected your nerves or brain, your brain actually has to remember how to move, but the exercises are designed to help with this. It can take time for things to improve, and you may need several appointments. Some might even be at the pool. It won't be the pool that you go to with your friends, but a special quiet pool at a clinic. Being in a pool helps because floating can take the pressure off your body and make it easier to get moving. You'll find physiotherapists in other places, not just the hospital, clinic or pool. For example, there's bound to be one at your favourite football club to help when players get injured in the game. Ouch, that's a penalty. Footballers, like other sportsmen and women, often get injuries to their muscles and ligaments, and sports physios are really helpful to get the team back on their feet. Goal! Let's have a disgusting detail, nurse. 
there's just time before we go. Disgusting detail. These days, we know that back pains are caused by injury to the body parts beneath the skin. But in medieval times, they had a rather different theory. Witches. If someone had shooting pains in their back, they thought that these pains were caused by arrows actually being shot by supernatural beings such as witches or elves. Ouch, my back. Not sure a physiotherapist could help you with witches. That's all we have time for today. Time for us to fly. I hope you can join us next time for more fun with the map of medicine. Alex's Map of Medicine is produced by Fun Kids with support from the Wellcome Trust. Let's get to your questions then. If there's something sciencey that you want answered on the show, leave it as a review for me on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. You find the Science Weekly, there's a little box at the bottom. Stick your comment there, slap your name as well so I can see who you are, and five stars will let me say hello. And East kicks us off this week. Who wants to know, why do we get sore throats? Now, strangely, a sore throat actually means that your body is doing something good. It's fighting an infection. Maybe you've breathed in some bacteria that's causing a virus, giving you a cold. Now, that might infect. It might be trying to harm your throat. In order to fight that, your body will rush blood to the cells around your throat. Blood fights viruses. Now, that makes the blood vessels that they're in swell up. They'll put pressure on your nerve endings, which makes them hurt. It's a sign that something is wrong and that you need to take care of your throat. Thank you for the question, Anise. This one is from Char and Char, who want to know why the sky is blue. Now, the sky is full of air, and air is made up of loads of different elements. One of them is nitrogen. There are loads of nitrogen molecules in the air. Now, light from the sun is made of all the different colours. They're all there, and when they hit the air, they get broken apart. They scatter. And because of all the nitrogen in the air, the waves hit it in such a way that they scatter more of the blue light than the others. And that blue light bounces around the sky and it gets into your eyes. And that's what makes the sky look blue. Because the light hits the nitrogen, the nitrogen scatters more blue light than the others. And that's why we see it, Char and Char. Thank you for the question. If there's something you would like answered on the Science Weekly next week, you need to leave it as a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the Fun Kids Science Weekly. Now, this week, we're following a show which is one of the most ambitious environmental series ever. It looks at the Earth and charts how it changes, the stories that it has, and who is fighting to save it along the way. It's called Our Changing Planet. Ella Al-Shamahi is an expert from it, and she joins us now. Ella, thank you for being there. Thank you for having me. Now, just... This is a big project. As I said, the most ambitious environmental series in ages. One planet, seven years. How do we follow the changes in the world over time through the show? So uh, people might not realise this, but normally when you make a TV show, you are there for maybe a few weeks if you're lucky. If you're really lucky, a few months. If you're super, super lucky, it's a year or two. And that's so unusual, I can't even tell you. This is a show that is going to cover these locations for seven years. So every year we're going to be going back to locations, sometimes exactly the same locations, sometimes different locations, to kind of track these stories. So it means that when you switch the telly off, it's not like, 
the story's over and then you've got to go and work out what's what's actually happened um, in your own time. We will actually tell you over the years how these stories develop. Now, seven years is a really interesting amount of time because although it might seem like an age to some of our listeners, in in the space of the whole world, which has been around for billions of years, it's not really that long. How much are you expecting the Earth to change at quite a critical point over these seven years? So we're kind of at this um, we're at this point right now where seven years is actually uh, we're going to see a lot of stuff happening in seven years, not not necessarily in a good way. So um, some of the stories we're following, like for example, the pangolins um, in Cambodia. Um, some es- uh, experts think the pangolins will become extinct in a decade. So, you know, while we're filming this show, we'll be seeing that presumably. Um, there'll be positive stories as well. Like in Cambodia, they're talking about reintroducing the tigers in the next five years. So that would be amazing. Um, we also cover um, this incredible river system, the Mekong and the Tonle Sap. Um, and some experts predict that because of dams that are being built, um, that whole river system will collect, collapse in the next three to five years. So just while we're filming this show, we might see some really, really big things. And because we're filming it over seven years, we get to really kind of take the long view on things. Um, and it's really great because we've got um, some, I mean, honestly, it's like some of the best um, natural history presenters out there. Uh, I think the only person that's not on that list is probably David Attenborough. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's like, you know, Chris, um, Chris Packham, uh, Steve Backshaw, Liz Bonin, you know, Ade Abertan and, um, and uh, Gordon Buchanan and myself. It's just, there's so many of us and we're all kind of covering um, all these different locations around the globe that are just so diverse as well. So the hope is that um, people will watch it and really start investing in these places and these characters and these people and their stories. Um, and that we start rooting for them, you know, like I'm, I'm covering this one uh, fisherman who's the, the village kind of elder or village mayor, and they all live on the water. So they actually live in the lake and yet they are running out of fish to eat because of what's happened with all the dams. And they're basically talking about how they might have to move onto the land Um, And these people for generations and generations and generations have never lived on the land. They've always lived in houses on stilts in the middle of the lake. But because of the fish shortage, they're now talking about this massive change that would just be awful for them. Um, And we really hope it won't happen. And and so as we're covering the story, we hope that people will really start rooting for these families. Now, you headed out to Cambodia. Can you just paint a picture of what Cambodia is like, where it is. Is it all jungle? Is there you know, bustling cities there? Just just talk about that for a second, if you can, Ella. All of the above. So it's, <laughs> um, so it's in Southeast Asia. Um, it's kind of the most off the beaten track part of Southeast Asia, I think it's fair to say. Um, it, uh, it definitely has amazing, like, hustly bustly cities and it has amazing rainforests. Uh, the cardamom forest, spelt with an M at the end, not N, like, a, like, like the spice, uh, Cosmo forests are um, are incredible uh, because they had a civil war there, and they're they're much more pristine than a lot of other forests. Uh, you know, the biodiversity loss there is is quite extensive, um, but they are really fighting back, which is just amazing to see. Um, and and the wildlife is something else. The water birds out there are just like. <laughs> 
Um, and the, you know, we were there when they released a pangolin uh, back into the wild. And it was just the most incredible story because this pangolin had just stumbled upon a guy in the capital city. So imagine somebody's just like gone out for a walk or something and this pangolin walks by um, and pangolins are, you know, they're endangered. They're, they're not, they Clearly, he didn't just wander into the city. Clearly, he was meant to be somebody's like really fancy meal or was meant to be trafficked. And he just somehow escaped. And this person apparently saw him, the pangolin, and thought, well, I can't sell him because it feels like he has presented himself to me, so I should try and rescue him. So he then gave him to this incredible organization called the Wildlife Alliance of Cambodia. And we were there for its release. And it was just so sweet. They basically, they look after the animal for, for weeks or months um, to, to nurture them back to health, um, sometimes even years. And then when they're ready to leave, they kind of put a tracker on them and they send them out into the wild. Um, and it was just, it was just so magnificent kind of seeing him like break free out of his like um, enclosure and just kind of like, cause they'd left the door. They do really, in this really magnificent way, they basically kind of open the door and they just, they don't shoo it out. They just kind of tell the pangolin nothing. They just open the door and just the pangolin in its own time will just kind of nose at the door and then kind of like walk through the door, just kind of in surprise that the door's open and then just kind of like happily wander away. And it's just the sweetest thing. Well, that's some hope because at least at the start of this interview and when you, when you think about the earth in the next seven years, it is quite easy to get a bit down about the whole thing but being in cambodia for a time uh how much how many opportunities were there for you to be quite positive about it i i know that there was something fascinating about how we're using data from space to try and save parts of the world what did you find out there to give you some hope yeah well that was it because i mean as i said when i was with the fisherman his name is mr law um this mayor i was like oh my god i was really upset um, because I was, you know, I was like, this is devastating for these people. But then um, I went to meet some people from the Mekong Dam Monitor. And you're right, they basically use satellites to show the impact of the dams that are upstream, mostly in China. I think there's one in Laos as well. Um, and using this data, these satellites, they're able to do all this fancy mathematical modeling that I don't really understand. And uh, they concluded that, look, these dams are definitely having a massive impact on the water systems. Um, and actually they're predicting, this is, so this is really, really fascinating. Um, the uh, the Tonle Sap River is one of the only rivers that actually reverses its flow every year. It's re really unusual for rivers to reverse their flow, but this particular river reverses its flow every year around the time of the monsoon. But because of the dams, they think in the next three to five years, that will stop happening. That blows my mind. Imagine a whole river changing its course, uh, changing its um, its direction rather. And, um, and the interesting thing about this satellite work is that that's really good proof to show governments. You know, they can turn around to, to all the countries in, that are on the Mekong, the six countries of the Mekong, in particular China, and say, look, can you see the impact of these dams? You have to stop doing this. And it's really... You know, it's going to be interesting to see in the next few years how these countries deal with that. So already there's been some good news. Cambodia has turned around and said we will not build any new dams on the uh, on the on on the Mekong. So that's really good. But 
they need all the other countries to get involved as well. And the hope is that all that data, all that science will back up, um, hopefully, the, the activists. Wow, it's... I mean, there is some hope there, and it's one of the most ambitious series in a long time. It's called Our Changing Planet. Ella Al-Shamahi is an expert from it, and thank you so much for being there, Ella. Thank you. It's time for this week's Dangerous Dan, where we're headed to the Galapagos Islands to investigate the magnificent frigate bird. The Galapagos Islands, they're a group of islands where very few people live off the coast of South America, and they're dedicated to wildlife because there's no humans there, really. And because of that, a whole bunch of strange creatures call it home. One of these is the magnificent frigate bird. It's huge. Its wingspan is two and a half metres across. They're brown and black coloured. Uh, with the, the wings are quite narrow, but it's what's on their front that makes them stand up. The males have a huge, bright red belly. It is massive. It's this billowing, scarlet, feathery red sack that bulges from under their chin right the way to their feet. It's their massive gut. Now, the way the magnificent frigate bird gets its food is pretty menacing. They glide over the sea waiting for a fish to leap up over a wave, and then it pounces, quickly snapping and taking its prey from midair. But sometimes that just isn't enough. The magnificent frigate bird will wait for other birds to do the hard work and then steal their food. They'll fly straight for them, nicking the other bird's food in the middle of a fight. And that's why old sailors seeing this used to call them the man of war because they were always ready for a fight and they looked very dangerous with their billowing bright red belly. And something that fights and steals like the magnificent frigate bird, has to go straight to our Dangerous Dan list. It's time to take off now to Deep Space High, the smartest school outside of the solar system. We're hearing from Professor Pulsar, who's exploring what gravity does here on Earth. Looking back down at our planet and seeing why gravity's around, what it's responsible for, and how it does a lot more than you think. Deep Space High, Earthwatch, with support from the Royal Astronomical Society. Jump into your wormhole and travel to Deep Space High, the school in space. But hurry, because lessons are about to begin. Oh, I've dropped my ice cream. You haven't just dropped your ice cream. You've just witnessed one of the strangest and most powerful universal forces in action right there. Let me guess. Gravity. Yeah, I know. You drop things, they hit the ground. That's gravity. Not as interesting as ice cream, really. Hey, hold up. There's far more to gravity than that. Check out the sea. What do you think makes the waves move? Um, the wind? No, gravity. And gravity has a hand in our weather too, you know. Whoa! Gravity makes the waves and the wind. Gravity's been around since the start of the universe. It pulled the atoms together to make stars and planets and keeps them in their orbits. It keeps the atmosphere close to the surface and your feet on the ground. And it's the gravitational pull of the moon's orbit around the Earth that creates the waves in our oceans. Yeah. Gravity pulled my ice cream on the ground too. Gutted. Here's a crazy thing, though. If you drop that ice cream in a spacecraft far away from the Earth's gravitational field, you might have had time to catch it. Yeah, I've seen that on telly. 
Things floating around really slowly. Now, you'll find gravity wherever there are objects like planets, but it can be stronger or weaker depending on where you are, as well as from things like how big the objects are and how much mass they have. Take you, for example. How heavy are you? I don't know, about 30 kilograms? On Mercury and Mars, you'd only weigh about 11 kilograms, just a third of what you weigh on Earth. Jupiter would be a different matter. It's much bigger, and bigger objects have a greater gravitational pull. You'd weigh twice what you do on Earth. And if you think that's bad, if you stood on the sun, you'd weigh over 800 kilograms. That's heavier than a car. We'd be pretty tricky to get around if I was that heavy. I'd need a forklift truck just to lift my feet. How strong gravity is will affect the way life develops on other planets. We don't know for sure, but it's likely that life on planets with very strong gravity would be found very close to the ground. They might have to be very tough and strong to move around. So if we know how big a planet is, how much mass it has, and what other objects it's close to, we might be able to work out quite a bit about it. That's right, including whether you'd be able to catch a falling ice cream in time. Well, that's the kind of thing I'd want to know before I went. Hey, did you hear about the astronaut who was reading a book in space? Because there was no gravity, it was impossible to put down. And that is it for this week's episode of the Fun Kids Science Weekly. Thank you for listening. If there's something science that you would like answered next week on the show, you need to leave it as a review for me on Apple Podcasts. Find us on there. There's a little comment box. Leave your question there. Leave your name so I can say hello and five stars really helps me see it. While you're on Apple, it's one of the best ways that you can hear loads of our podcasts. You've heard a few today, Halux and Deep Space High. You can also find them on the free Fun Kids app, Google, Spotify, wherever you get your shows. We've got so many of them there. And Fun Kids, we are a children's radio station from the UK. Listen to us all over the country on your DAB digital radio and at funkidslive.com.